$255.4 million. That is the new salary cap for the 2024 NFL season. As you've probably seen in the articles the past few days, this is a record increase in the year over year. It is a $30.6 million jump from the 2023 season. This league just continues to print money. It is truly a spectacle. Did you know the salary cap has nearly doubled in just the past 10 years alone? For the 2015 season, the salary cap was about 143.3. Now here we are at 255 headed into 2024. The interest in the sport and in the league has never been higher. Just look at the viewership numbers for this year's Super Bowl. Obviously, the TV money is massive. And now, of course, you have the gambling money flowing in. It it just somehow gets bigger and bigger. Now, the timing of this increase is especially interesting when you look at the wide receivers, specifically from the 2020 and 2021 draft classes. I can't really think of any other back-to-back draft classes that gave us this many major stars and big-time producers at the position in terms of just the sheer number of guys. We have seen certain positions that seem to be caking up at an accelerating rate. Quarterbacks, right? But in the past few years, we're also seeing the top-end guys at corner, edge rusher, tackle, and now wide receiver really outpace the salary cap increase in terms of the AAV. When it comes to NFL contracts, it's not as simple as what it appears to be when someone like Adam Schefter throws up a tweet that, Player X signed with Team Y for this amount of money over this amount of years with this much guaranteed. You know, you have signing bonuses and roster bonuses, base salaries, restructures, lots of ways that you can manipulate the cap. But we'll keep this high level for the sake of the conversation. I believe we are on track to see, again, at least on paper, well over a billion dollars in new wide receiver contracts and extensions between this offseason and next offseason. It actually may be closer to 1-5 when you factor in the other guys who will be coming due, uh, you know, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, uh, Tyree Kill, Amari Cooper, D.J. Moore, Terry McLaurin, Diggs. But let's go back to those guys taken specifically in the 2020 and 2021 drafts. And I realize not everyone is in the graphic here, but here's the list of players where it seems like a foregone conclusion, are in for a massive payday. Again, from 2020 and 2021, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. Now, depending on the team and their cap situation, timing of these deals and when they are actually signed or, or go into effect is going to fluctuate. But let's use Higgins and Chase, given they are on the same team. We're seeing some reports out there that Higgins is going to get the franchise tag this upcoming year. So Higgins will either be playing at the $21.8 million tag number, or they'll get an extension done prior to the mid-July deadline. Remember, Higgins was drafted in 2020. Now, Jamar Chase, who was drafted in 2021, is right now eligible to have his fifth-year option picked up as well as eligible for a contract extension. So as a hypothetical, if the Bengals do in fact get a deal done with T. Higgins, they could then exercise the fifth year on Jamar Chase, 
which guarantees Chase his 2024 and 2025 salaries and either get a long-term deal done with Chase this offseason or during this upcoming season or during next offseason. Now, I don't think it would ever get that far out. I'm just mentioning it as a possibility. Now, let's say the Bengals extend both Higgins and Chase this offseason. As for Chase, they could structure the contract so that the big cap hit does not set in until the 2026 season. And when I say cap hit, I'm talking specifically about the amount of dollars Jamar Chase counts against the salary cap. Cap hit and what the player is actually paid are two entirely different amounts. Okay, Consider it as extending a player who is on a rookie contract as mutually beneficial for both player and team. The player gets his money when the new contract is signed in the form of a signing bonus. The team can then amortize that bonus over multiple years. So put simply, if Chase got, and I'm just making up a number here, call it $50 million guaranteed at signing. It does not mean that the Bengals have to count him as $50 million against the cap that season. Now, we could talk for days about how that amortization works and the rules and limitations and strategy, but I just want it to be understood that what you see a player sign for or what their average annual salary comes out to very rarely matches up to the amount of money they see on the cap hit. From an organizational point of view, you also have to consider the balance of signing a guy before you have to versus how those dollars get allocated in the years to come relative to the salary cap. I'll use the general concept of inflation as a simple example we can all understand. If today you deposited $10,000 into the average savings accounts, so I'm not talking high yield here. I'm referring to you know regular savings account that give you basically nothing in interest. If the rate of inflation is, say, 3%, Well, one year later, that $10,000 in terms of purchasing power is now worth $9,700. So you lost about $300 simply by letting it just sit there. When it comes to the salary cap, think of that math working somewhat in reverse. I'm talking from the team's perspective. What you quote unquote agree to pay today becomes a lesser and lesser amount against the cap percentage wise with each passing year. So if a player signed an extension during the 2022 offseason when the cap was at $208 million, well, if the way the team structured the contract was so that the cap hit would count as $20 million in 2024, that comes out to 7.8% of the total salary cap this upcoming year. Whereas in 2022, when they signed the player, If they had to count that same $20 million against the $208 million cap that season, it would have been 9.6% of the salary cap that year. So you can see how it benefits both parties. Player gets a boatload of cash up front, and the team gets to count the money against the cap down the road into a higher total salary cap. Now, I don't think you can just expect the salary cap to increase by 13 14% each season like we just saw. But the trend does show, overwhelmingly, it will go up season to season. The other thing you need to understand is, present day, all 32 teams have zero issue covering the player payroll. 
That is a fact. The NFL is a hard cap sport, and the cap is the great equalizer when it comes to building your roster. Everyone has the same amount of money to spend. It's why we see so much parity in the league. So the best organizations, like the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers, the Eagles, the Steelers, what sets those teams apart is their ability to draft well and to re-sign the right guys, waive the players who don't add value, sign the right guys in free agency. It simply no longer matters what city your team is located in or how big a market it is. The salary cap levels the playing field. There is no reason in 2024 why a team wouldn't maximize its salary cap. Now, I'm not saying teams should grossly overpay guys for no reason. I'm just pointing out that the money every team gets from the television and gambling deals and the revenue sharing, it is significantly higher than the roster salary cap. So whoever best uses their cap puts themselves in a position for success. Doesn't guarantee you a Super Bowl, but it absolutely matters and it factors into sustained success. When you think of those teams, what do they all have in common? Elite general managers, Brett Veach, John Lynch, Howie, uh, Omar Khan in Pittsburgh. So what can we expect to see with this next wave or two of wide receiver contracts? Well, amongst the players I previously mentioned, there are tiers within that group. I'm not going to break that down across you know, 12, 13, 14 players, but I feel pretty confident in saying the three guys who will surprise some folks with their extensions are Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, and Jamar Chase. Again, can't predict the exact timing, but those are the guys who are probably looking at a floor of, call it, 32 to $35 million per year. As far as guarantees, probably looking at somewhere around, you know, again, a floor of $100 million in, in guaranteed money. I think Jefferson likely gets the overall top amount of money, but those three guys are going to be very close. Jefferson, Lamb, Chase. I think we can expect a, a similar cadence to what we saw with the quarterback extensions last season. In terms of dollars, let's use a five-year model. I think we could see five years, 175, 180, with 120 million guaranteed for Jefferson. Lamb, maybe just under that. But we'll see. You know, Jerry loves his stars, and C.D. Lamb is a massive star. They nailed the draft pick. His production has been absurd, and he's also been very durable. Lamb has only missed one game in his entire career. And that's not to say the other guys are going to be far off of those numbers. I can see someone like Brandon Ayuk coming in at, say, 5 for 130 with 80 guaranteed. The thing with his situation is the 49ers have a lot of decisions to make on their key players. Christian McCaffrey, Samuel, Kittle, Fred Warner. Uh, they're also going to have Purdy coming due next offseason. Uh, Mufanga comes back next year. If, if he returns to form, they also have to figure out you know what to do with, with his deal. Now, if Ayuk were to hit the market as a free agent, I think that number increases. Generally speaking, when you sign a guy in free agency, you are going to pay more than the team that drafted the player if they just extended him while he was still under his rookie contract. Now, the 49ers did pick up Ayuk's fifth year, by the way. So 
at the very least, he is locked in for one more year while they figure out what to do there. I think Waddle and St. Brown will be interesting because they both play in the slot and line up outside. And over the years, guys who play in the slot don't generally get the type of money that the true X and Z receivers see. However, given their production and versatility, I think they come in somewhere in between. I still think both guys are in line for $100 million extensions. They mean too much to their offenses. Just not sure the average per season is going to be, you know, $28, $30 million on those two. We'll finish up with this. I love where the league is right now when it comes to just sheer talent and athleticism. And the players we discussed today are the best of the best of the best. So regardless of what you think professional athletes should be paid, I would remind you that everything is relative to market value. So if you are pro-free market, then just accept it. It's not your money. And spare me the argument of, well, it is my money because of ticket prices and memorabilia and this, that, the other. You know what? Don't buy those things if that's how you feel. But it doesn't go both ways. So if you want to shake your fists at the clouds and say player XYZ from today's game is not as good as Jerry Rice or Michael Irvin or Randy Moss, and therefore he's overpaid. Well, just keep shaking.